Welcome to another episode of It's Worth Living. As usual, we would like to thank everyone for being uh, being a uh, listener to this this podcast. We try to bring not only new topics but new information, new people, new guests uh, to come and really talk to the audience. And um, and today is no different. Uh, we we're focusing on uh, comedy and uh, and uh, fitness, and we have a guru in our presence today. And you know, longtime friend that we knew each other for a long time, been the funniest guy I've ever met, and he made such a transition in fitness these days. I mean, we'll tell you about his of uh, um, his Instagram page later, but he's made such a transition that it it, it didn't go unnoticed. So we have to definitely bring on board to not only talk about those things, but hopefully the audience will get something out of it. Today we are introducing uh, Gary Alexis. He is one of our old time friends. Gary, come on, go ahead, tell them about you. What's up, man? Cool, cool. <laughs> hey, my name is Gary Alexis. I'm the one and only. Um, I am a comedian. I am a thespian. Not a lesbian, a thespian. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, words get uh, misconstrued. Mm -hmm. um, I am a fitness guru. I love everything about wellness and nutrition. Mm -hmm. I feel like my life purpose is to serve people in every capacity of healing, which is laughter, mm -hmm. working out, mm -hmm. mental health, mm -hmm. and, and spiritual health. Sorry, and I didn't mean to cut no, no, you no. off. You know, it's great. It's it's a good thing you bring that up too, because um, our top, our, our whole podcast is about the healthy living. It's worth living, so we always want to give people a reason to to live. Now, just before I turn on to Edson, I want to start with this. I know you've been funny from the long for the longest. Now, first, tell us what got you into comedy in the first place. Well, it's funny you ask. Um, I. I could kind of actually say I was birthed into it. Mm. My dad, um, I found out later on in life, once I got older, he was a comedian. My dad was always funny. Mm. To me, funniest person I ever met in my life is my father. So he basically is my drawing board of where I got my mannerisms, my cadence, mm. his timing. He literally is a comedian but just doesn't work in the capacity. Okay. He does freelance comedy. Okay. Like he's a master at um, just controlling the room and the mood. And I always observed that from him. And then from just seeing how people love him, seeing the type of power he got from making people laugh and making people feel good. I always envied that and wanted that. So I always tried to emulate my dad, but I didn't even think about, about it as being funny mm -hmm. or him doing comedy. I just like, just seen this guy always making people feel good. And I wanted to be like that. So I, in my earliest, earliest days, I just copied my dad. But like, as far as comedy, how I got into that, my friend Cabrini from middle school, he came to school one day and like, it's like he had a superpower. 
Like, it didn't make sense the way everybody loved him and girls and he was making everybody laugh. I put him to the side. This guy was my best friend at the time. I said, man, listen, man, I don't know what you're doing. Hello? Oh, sorry. I don't know what you're doing, bro, but you need to put me down with it. I need to get down with this plan, man. And he told me he was copying um, a comedian, Tracy Morgan. And he, he passed me the tape. He, he ruined my life. <laughs> he ruined any chances of me being a, a, a corporate person, you know, someone with a suit and tie. Uh, you know, when I seen Tracy and what he was doing and, you know, my faculty at the time being a child, I was like, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Does he make money off of this? This is as a you know adolescent and then when i found out that he does make money i moved on to eddie murphy mm. i found eddie murphy raw a tape in my um uncle's house um my uncle seven day advances so we should talk to him about this but i'm not gonna say anything. i ain't no snitch i'm not gonna say no name but anyways i watched eddie murphy raw i said i don't know why uncle got this tape but i need to watch it again then I watched it again and again and again until I was like, man, I forget my dad. I want to be Eddie Murphy because he has it all. He got all the girls. He got, he was just like the greatest thing to me. And I, I just, I, I literally, I started like mimicking him like throughout my life. Like I always just tried to be the funniest guy in the room. And I never realized that I was doing that. I just was trying to, you know, make it easier on me. If everybody liked me, then, you know, I could get by, you know, simple thinking, you know, like a child, like, you know, I'm just going to do everything to ingratiate myself. Not realizing, you know, I'm basically carving out a niche. Mm -hmm. And then um, Erwin came in my life. My good brother, Erwin Brady, man. Uh, my mentor, one of my mentors, uh, along with Eve Gallia, um, these people have so, have solidified and helped me grow in ways I I, I can't repay them. But Erwin gave me a book like how to write comedy. You know, at a time where you know in my adolescence I was going through hard times. You know, growing up, black being black kid, black boy child you know, find yourself and stuff and, you know, not having a traditional household, all this stuff had effect on me. So, you know, I kind of started drifting in the wrong direction, but Erwin came in and out of time that had a big impact on me because then I did the high school talent show and with his book and I killed, I felt like Eddie Murphy. And that was the first time in my mind I ever considered, yo, Damn, can I be Eddie Murphy? Mm-hmm. Not a being comedian. I'm just thinking Eddie. Like, yeah. I want to be Eddie, man. I want to be in that purple suit. I don't care how tight it is. Even if they gotta cut it off me or put butter to get it on, I'm I'm gonna get the suit, man. <laughs> but after after I did that, I was like, you know what? I kind of forgot about it until desperation came again when I was in college and I kind of dropped out. 
and trying to figure out like what am I gonna do with my life? What am I good at? And I, I don't know. I think I was still dealing with Irwin at the time, trying to get me into acting, but I didn't have the discipline. I think you know this. We we were in acting together, right? I know, yeah. I didn't have the I could not, I couldn't sit down and read scripts, man. I was I was too young. I had like ADD or something undiagnosed. I just couldn't do it. I could not be discipline myself, to be honest. And that cost me a lot. I lost a lot of opportunity. I messed up a lot of situations because I just couldn't, I procrastinated too much. And, um, you know, after the acting thing, I kind of veered into comedy again. Erwin, once again, he held my hand through it, went to the first mic I went to, horrible, terrible. I tried to do Eddie Murphy bits, but like mixing them around, like changing the words and you know what every dumb young kid does trying to emulate, you know, his hero. So, um, then when I really got into it, I started studying dudes like Richard Pryor, Seinfeld. I got into it for real. Like, one thing about me, I'm meticulous. You know, once I get a feel for something, once I like something, I fall into it like head over heels. Like, I, I, I marry it. <laughs> so that's what I did. I studied my craft and I came good at it, figured out the business, and I've been doing it ever since. But... The thing with comedy is it's an industry. It's a, there's a game to it. It's not, if you're really good, you get what you deserve. No, it's politics. It's a whole bunch of pandering, um, building relationships, fake or otherwise. And, you know, it gets exhausting. It gets, um, you know, it gets overwhelming and it just, it gets redundant if you're not moving forward in a yeah. um in increments you start to get like you start to get a doubt yeah. you start to get um um complacent and that's when that depression comes mm-hmm. which every comedian could attest to that's why we do it yeah. we're sad mm-hmm. so uh we try to transmute our sadness by trying to make people laugh, mm-hmm. which in sense uh, blesses us with instant gratification, which is a drug to us that make us feel good. It opens up endorphins and makes me forget for a little bit about my problems. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, you know, it's like I'm a therapist that does therapy on myself when I do therapy. Yeah, I feel you, and I know it's, it's very popular amongst comedians, and one of the reasons they strive so much, because the more they make people laugh, the more they make themselves feel a little better, so to compile on that, you sort of have to do it a lot more, and sometimes even in appropriate locations, just because that moment you need it. I, I get it. you have any questions? Yeah, so um, you touched on something, um, Brother Gary, in regards to um, laughter, and we know I, I, I read in a, a book, you know, um, um, laughter is like medicine to the body. It's good for the soul. Absolutely. And Le- so- legitimately. It is. Medicine. I don't mean to interject uh, respectfully. Uh, it opens up in, 
endorphins literally open it's legitimately healing you yeah yes. yeah and so you said something earlier too where sometimes there are moments where you don't want to get complacent and we had a um our last week episode, we talked about a process and not being um, um, stuck or complacent in one place. Because if every day you're at the same place, you're not growing, then it's going to be difficult for you to really reach the purpose that you have, whatever it is that you're designed to be, and even to help others. And so in your line of work now, now that you are um, not only a comedian, but you are also into fitness, how... How were you able or how are you able to now um, utilize um, your craft in making other people laugh and and now you utilizing that also in the line of what you're doing now with fitness and helping people get the best out of themselves? That is a great question because it literally puts me in my own bracket. Mm. Um. I'm literally, while I'm training, I'm doing comedy. Nobody knows this unless you are training with me. I literally entertain you the whole time (laughs) because it's a training mechanism. Mm -hmm. You're not even realizing you're training with me. You're at a comedy show. Mm -hmm. But I'm accommodating. I'm just giving you instruction. Mm Sometimes I'm so vague with, I just literally nowadays I set up my, the course, whatever obstacle course for whatever routine they're going to do. I put my music in my ears and I dance the night away. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen that on your videos on on Instagram. (laughs) Now, listen, I'm forcing, I'm training you, but I'm forcing you to train yourself because Mm. in your mind, I'm not paying attention. What happens is people get infatuated with numbers. They're like, how many, how many you want me to do? 15, 10. When you box yourself in like that, you're not really surmounting anything. You're not really going after anything. You're actually staying stagnant. Mm-hmm. So, so what you're saying to us then, um, not only your line of work, it's, it's important not to um, put things in a, especially with working out and exercising, not to put things in a box, but to, to, so that it's just limitless. And you reach a goal that you feel as if it's enough without putting. Look what word, look what word you said, limitless. Mm-hmm. People don't realize we are limitless. Mm-hmm. The numbers, like when we have, like when I'm training and people want that structure with the numbers, that's what makes us not limitless. Yeah, because we basically put a number and is where to stop. And even if you could go for a couple more reps, you don't because you said, okay, yeah, it's too... Psychologically, it puts a block in your mind. Mm-hmm. When, when I train people, I'm not training you. I'm walking you to the freedom mm-hmm. because we're not even talking. It's nonverbal communication. It's the realest form of communication you could get. Mm. we talk nonverbal cues we talking with feeling it's a spiritual journey mm. so question for you then with the limitless aspect of it with with exercising and, and, and fitness do you also can you also share that that is also something that is utilized in your line of work with comedy 
being limited. Absolutely. I I literally am now developing a style that probably hasn't been seen before. Mm. I'm giving myself free reigns to display my uh, show however I please. Like, let's say, okay, let me let me explain it a little bit. It's taboo to go on stage with your phone uh-huh. or a pad. Mm. I don't care about that. So you have your uh, your your jokes written, and you would read them. However, I however I feel that day. Okay. So, okay. So the feeling is it based on your remembering of the stuff, or like you know what? I just want to have my phone. Whether I remember the joke or not, I just have my phone in my hand. Or does it just not matter? Whichever it is. Because I know sometimes if I'm if I have if if I'm caught up last minute to speak, I make some notes. I might need my phone to just make sure that you know I I'm checking on the notes here and there. But sometimes it's so small, I you know something I can remember. I know the order of the things I have to say, so it doesn't really matter. Now, when joke and because I always find that very admiring uh, about uh, admirable actually about uh, when when com- com- comedians go on and do like a whole hour set and they don't look down or in their pocket or like they don't look at anything. But yeah, they remember the segue from one joke to another until they're finished. And 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 this is what I was going to explain why I chose I ch- I'm choosing to adopt this new style. My faculty is different. I have way more things I have to remember. I'm literally running a business. Everything I do is operated in my in my in my head. So, with that being said, I might. I might forget that I, I even have a show that night until that evening. And then I'm going to have to remember 30, 40 minutes of material. If I have the, my safety net, my script, I can go in and out. I could do improv and I can do, a, it's for me, it's giving, I'm accommodating more to the audience because I'm giving you an actual show that, I'm okay with that. I'm good. Like, yeah, I'm. There's no way. Even if I had the phone in my hand, these jokes are so precise. Cause I'm not a I'm not like a, a just an energy. I'm a I'm a brain comic. I, I make you think. My jokes are witty. I, I I'm trying to um educate you, not just make you laugh. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable sometimes. Mm-hmm. I might be trying to wake you up, you know. I, I, I. There's range to me. It's not only just uh, um, one track mind when it comes to my stand up. Yeah, you know, you based on the way you describe the way you do stand up. Uh, it reminds me of actually one of my favorite comedians. He's a British comic. Who's that? His name is Jimmy Carr. Uh, when you listen to this guy, either you're learning something okay. or you're being offended by something. But either way, it's funny. Mm-hmm. You see what I mean? And and he has that dark, that dark humor. And the thing is, for me, it's yeah. not about oh yeah, what does this about people? It's in what context you use it. He was he's a comic. He uses it to entertain. Some people are entertained by it. Other people want to be offended by it. I like I like what you just said right there mm-hmm. about how you would how you could critique like um, the purpose of the joke. 
I can we do that on one of mine? So you could understand what I mean when I say educating and mm-hmm. can well, I yeah. can I do it, this is a new bit, but I've been working, I, I I probably worked on it twice. Okay. Actually in um with the actual audience, but I just wrote it and it's been having a uh uh an amazing um reaction to it like people i'm just gonna say it so you you you, you can give me your okay i'm all not gonna floor is yours all right i'm gonna i'm gonna perform it like i'm doing it a, a set good um i love white people but um i feel conflicted about them because i feel like white people put fear in the wrong places this is how you know racism is still alive. A white person is afraid to walk in a black neighborhood. They'd be the first to say, this is a bad neighborhood. But he is also the first to say, hey, let's go to a safari and see lions. <laughs> that is funny. Hold on, am I, I'm not done. Okay. Why? Why? Because those are some beautiful creatures. Lions are majestic, beautiful creatures. But niggas, on the other hand, niggas are dangerous. (laughs) Wow. White white people, how are you going to lock your doors when I walk by your car, but then on the flip side, jump headfirst into a den of lions? Make it make sense. The whole point of the the premise. Do you understand where I went, why I went there, and what I did? I I do understand. Uh, uh, from me, for me, I get the whole social justice and injustice, and the the way we look at uh people and how the 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 perception we have about people and you know the danger we put ourselves in, and then we have an excuse for it type of situation. So I do. That that's where I that's what I get from it because especially dealing with uh, with people from different backgrounds and things like you get to experience sometimes they have doesn't have a a reasonable but the hypocrisy I'm talking about the hypocrisy well well, yeah that's where I was going with this so they have a they have a, a, a an excuse that's not reasonable but yet they find an excuse for the reason for that they put themselves in danger in the first place. A lion, yeah, majestic and all that, but you know that can cut your head off, but you find a reason to not go in a certain neighborhood because somebody may have said it's dangerous because you haven't experienced it yourself. By me opening up these topics and making people laugh at them, maybe they'll take a second when they stop laughing to look at what I'm talking about. Mm. That was a good one. That was a good one. So, So I have a question for you, Gary. As you make people laugh and um, as you take the time to uh, assist with the physical aspect um, of, 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 of health, but also with comedy, um, helping people remain optimistic mentally, how do you keep yourself going? Because, you know, as, 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 as you know, our, our um, podcast is worth living. Um, we know that in life sometimes, while... The goal is to find happiness in all that we do um, and to bring, to find comfort and hope. Um, what keeps you going? Because oftentimes I know that we get into a place 
all of us have a time in our lives where we get into a place where it gets difficult to keep pushing, keep moving forward due to whatever. Um, and when you find yourself in those situations, if you ever do, what would you share? What 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 keeps you motivated? What keeps well, you motivated? Me, myself, my motivation is success. And um, proving to myself, I am who I believe I am. Uh, so where, and, did that come where did that come from? Um, that is developed from um, mindful awareness, which is what I practice, and um, meditation. Mm-hmm. And also being a religious person, being connected to God, mm-hmm. and knowing when to disconnect and detach, and um, knowing when to isolate myself when I do have those down times when um, anxiety, depression, you know, because I smile all the time doesn't mean I know everything and got it all together, you know, mm-hmm. and because I do fitness, I'm the, People now have high expectations on me. Mm-hmm. It's either I, I always have to be happy or I can't get, I can't be looking like I'm getting thin. <laughs> These two things people are on top of me about all day I hear, yo, man, you getting, I don't know, man, I think you're getting kind of skinny. Or, hey, man, why are you so quiet today? You know, sometimes um, I, I, I try my best to go within so I don't go without. Mm. that's what um people don't realize that's the best medicine that's the best that's the only thing that's going to save you taking some time to embrace yourself taking some time to learn yourself taking some time to hear yourself and forgive yourself one of the things that you shared just now which was powerful was that um you understand you realize that people have they they have high expectations where if you're not laughing, if you're not smiling, hey, is everything okay? What are you doing? Or, hey, you know, the spotlight is on you. Being a physical guru, people is watching. So everything that you do, it's almost like you're on the spotlight. You know, they're watching you. They're watching your every move. And so to a certain extent, like you said, it can sometimes be overwhelming. So that's why it's a good way you can find that inner peace or find that moment where you can meditate to um, get back within yourself Um you know, unload to reload and then to get back into the scene because you all, you all of us need that time away from everyone to refresh. Mm-hmm. So it's important, like you said, to when your audience or those that you work with, they have an understanding like, hey, I'm still human. And it's not realistic to keep working and overloading yourself without decompressing. Mm-hmm. You're going to crash. Mm-hmm. I don't care how strong mentally, physically, doesn't matter we we are uh we are human beings at the end of the day no matter what power or energy you could tap into because you know how to meditate or you exercise or eat well you still get sad mad and angry like everybody else it's okay it's okay it's okay to be upset it's okay to be it's okay it's okay not to feel happy all the time to stay there is not okay Mm-hmm. to hide it is not okay to lash out is not okay mm-hmm. now you have a, a a constructive manner of handling 
when you have these down periods, that's okay. Finding uh, a safe and positive resolve is okay. But acting like you're okay is not okay either. Makes sense. So it's important. No, but I'm just going back to what you said. It's important to know, like you said, the reality is it's important to know where you are. Um, Self-reflect. Do some um, 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 self-reflection and see. Introspection. That's it. Uh There you go. Yeah. Introspection has become my best friend. Mm -hmm. How has has that helped you? If you can share like some tips. How has that helped you? It gave me a lot of time and misery. Because the more I think and reflect on things, the more answers I get. Um, from myself, the more I can correct and figure things out instead of overthinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to find a, a constructive and productive way to recap, but without overwhelming myself and feeling like, you know, anxiety or dep- not letting the thought overwhelm me. And take over my better judgment. Mm. One one of the ways to help us get there when we try to get within ourselves is the meditation. When you mentioned earlier, because that's one of the ways to help uh, focus and re recharge, so that we can be ready for the next uh, adventure that we have to take, with the next journey we have to we have to embrace as human beings. Because sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit. We think we can't do it, or we. We downplay some of the things that we can and can't do. The brain is such a powerful tool. If we don't push it, sometimes it won't do it. You know what I mean? It's just like a kid that can have the skill, but if you don't make them train, you don't push them to actually get it done, it's, it, won't, it just won't be done. They'll just try the lazy way or the easy way. Absolutely. And this is common. People, this is why people are depressed and have anxiety. Because we're we're always, like I said before, we're infatuated with instant gratification. Mm-hmm. Like this is a microwave world. <laughs> we we have everything. We are the most spoiledest people to ever live. It's disgusting how much access to instant, instant gratification we have. Everything is easy. And when everything is easy, when that illusion breaks down, you realize you, you have to take the long way anyways because you have to reroute. Yeah, it's either now or never mind. The now or never mind is our mind. We build this mm-hmm. uh, uh, um, uh, type of pressure on ourselves because of the world, because what we see. We, we, you know, everybody is flaunting everything. Everybody looks rich. Everybody looks like they got it well together. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. As we get closer to finish up, what would you like the audience to take out of uh, your message or your, um, you know, your theories? Uh, well, not just theories, but because you, your, practic- your practicality and how you've uh, carried yourself or grow, uh, grew in the past few years because I know we haven't seen each other in a bit, but I've been following your your stuff on on Instagram and see how you've changed things, move forward and tell that how what would you like the audience to get out of? I would just like to tell people 
you know, life is way too short to not live. Mm-hmm. And I and I say that because most of the time we're not living. We're doing stuff other people want us to do. We're doing stuff society is telling us to do. We're doing stuff we've been programmed to do. But without that programming, what are our own thoughts? Who are we really? And I feel like once I had the the time to get introspective and actually learn who I actually am, I realized, you know, life is too short to not be living a life that I want to live and that is serving my purpose. So, um, Gary, where, so, um, you shared a, a great uh, amount of information about yourself and, 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 and what has worked for you. Um, and even through, um, the challenging times, if there are challenging times to do some form of introspection, um, where can our guest um, find you um, uh, and also see your line of work, um, whether it's in comedy or with fitness, where can our listeners um, get in touch with you? Um, and if you can share that with us, um, that would be okay. helpful. Okay, well, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know every platform. Well, if you want to see me in person, I'm at LA Fitness in Stratford just about every day. Um, dedicated. Um, if you want to see me virtually online, I'm on Facebook, um, Instagram, Facebook. I got two pages, Gary Alexis and Gero Alexis. I'm also on Instagram, Kukoops the Sensei, and Kukoops Fitness. Um, what other platforms are there? Oh, I'm on TikTok, uh, Kukoops. Catch me at um, the open mic on Wednesdays at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport. Uh, showtime at 7.30. I will be there uh, um, this upcoming week. Sounds good. And we're going to write all that information in the description of the episode, too, so that everybody can can um, make sure they see it and, and follow you and check you out and whatnot, because you have a lot to offer, especially when it comes to not both laughter and, and, and fitness. We'll have people uh, check out check you out in the in the description of the episode and we'll write them down, hopefully. Uh, people will be able to find you and try to learn something. And if they, you know, if they want to reach out and say hello, you know, definitely is that I know you won't refuse them so just so that they can get the right information they need. And, you know, uh, uh, Stratford in Connecticut, just so you guys know, that's where he's located. And if you're in that area, go check him out. Uh, his next show episode is going to be uh, posted in the description of the, of the episode. So we'll hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. And as usual, we want to remind everybody, you are remarkably made. I am remarkably made. We're all remarkably made. And therefore, it's worth living. Mm-hmm.